Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles, with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Find out more at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. From the Podfleet Historical Archives, located deep in the basement of Podfleet Command, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast in episode number 227. Whew, that's a mouthful. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. It's a joy to be here today. Uh, We're going to continue our Voyager 25 celebration, which we're very excited about. Um, and of course, by we, I do mean my podcast partner and I, you know, down here in the, uh, the Starfleet, I'm sorry, the Podfleet archives, we have files on everybody files. They're voluminous, all kinds of details. We keep exacting records here at Podfleet. There's a file for my co-host, believe it or not. It's the thinnest file in the stack. And it's really just got a blank page in there, which I think says a lot about what he brings to the show. He's the very moldable Dan Davidson. And Dan, welcome to 227, buddy. 227. And as you talk about all these records, we even have records about barking dogs, which you might be able to hear behind me as we start this podcast, because Ari is very excited that we are on episode 227. So she's making it known to the whole world. And I got to say, I don't think it's because, you know, the, the sheet is blank just because I don't bring anything. I think it's blank because I have such a wealth of information. It can't just be written down on one page, buddy. But that's all right. I appreciate you trying. I was going to go with it's blank because you've already forgotten it. <laughs> Forgo- forgot what? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Dan, uh, we have a special guest tonight to help us uh, with our discussion about Captain Catherine Janeway. And who might that be? Well, uh, it's actually so great that we have this person to join us about Catherine Janeway because she has some pretty good ties to uh, the one and only Kate Mulgrew. She's Amy Imhoff. She's one of our dearest friends. She is so great. She is one of the most 
um, positive and wonderful people in Star Trek fandom. Um, listening to her at panels is something that I recommend to everyone. She's done a whole bunch of them. We're going to get into the details about that later when we introduce her. But I got to say, man, I am very excited to have Amy on the show. Finally, I can't believe it's been five years. Well, I know she's been on Discovering Trek with us. Yeah. Um, but the first time ever on the flagship and certainly not the last. No, Dan, absolutely. Dan, you know what else is not the last? Is This is not the last time you are going to tell people how they can get in touch with us. Absolutely not. I love this part of the show, especially when I don't screw it up. So if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact and you will find a multitude of ways to communicate with us. Let's see. As always, there's Skype chat. There's email. There's that voicemail thing by using the big blue button and it uses SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's Camp Kittimer. It's our official group. And it's where over 1,700 other friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, and we never allow any bashing or gatekeeping. To join the group, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running that camp. They are awesome. And also, it's very important, so please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. I did it again. I did it again. I'm going to change the copy for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Daniel. Huh? Huh? It's been a long time since we've said these words. Here we go. And I say them to you now in the spirit in which they're intended. Mm Mm-hmm. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. <laughs> Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> for all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's treknews.net. Da, 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 da. <laughs> wow, well, that's how it ends? <laughs> you... you you even changed keys there. That's amazing. <laughs> Online at treknews.net. Dan, first up, as you know, Star Trek Lower Decks begins this very week as we record this episode. And uh, StarTrek.com has a way that you can watch it in style. Yeah, they do. And damn them for taking more of my Quatloos, all of my Quatloos, because they're gone. Uh, yes, the highly anticipated new animated series will make its debut this coming Thursday, August 6th, and the official Star Trek website now offers a t-shirt subscription to celebrate the new show. For $180, you can get a specials t-shirt for every episode of the season, plus a bonus shirt for subscribing, or you can spend $20 a shirt if you don't want the subscription. Now, the interesting part of this marketing genius is that each shirt will only be available for one week after the episode airs, and then it will be gone forever, like forever, never again to be seen. So decide quickly, young Padawan. Subscribe or do not subscribe. There is no time. Okay, yeah. In all seriousness, this really is a brilliant <laughs> way to market the show and allow folks to have new swag while in-person conventions just aren't happening. The details on the shirts we have seen are really amazing, and I think that they're going to do really great with this promotion, man. I think so, too, to the point where I've already signed up, too. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And I have, like, a million T-shirts. I don't need more, but I had to do it. 
Well, you know, you figure I would probably get 10 t-shirts anyway. The fact that they've created a little subscription club and the price actually works out yeah. fairly decently. I think if you add up everything and do the math, I think it's like just not over 16 bucks a shirt. Yeah. And on top of that, if you're in the United States, it's free shipping. So that's yeah. pretty cool too. Even yeah. better. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, more, more stuff. That's not too bad. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Plus, they have a, a shirt that's going to be like uh, one of the animated series shirts that that's available. It kind of mimics the the positioning of the characters in the ship. I think it's fantastic. Awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Up next, Dan, with Lower Decks ready to engage across our television screens in just a couple of days. We've, we had been waiting for information on the yet unnamed Nickelodeon animated series, but... Uh, well, we don't have to wait anymore for that, do we? Uh, no longer indeed, buddy. Uh, this has been something that's been really kept under wraps for a long time. But finally, we know that the new Trek animated series on Nickelodeon will be called Star Trek Prodigy. And it will be premiering sometime in 2021. Um, so the idea of what this show about is really quite intriguing. The descriptions say that the show will be about a group of rebellious teens who commandeer an old Starfleet ship and head off into the universe for adventure and more. So from what we've heard behind the scenes, the show will be a great way for young non-Trekkies to get to know the Trek universe. And people really seem to be excited about the show's potential, buddy. Let's see what's out there. Wow. So it's like Red Squad, a group of little little pissants taking over a starship and, and going on adventure. Did I say that about Red Squad? I'm sorry. Except it'll be good. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Don't like the whole idea of Red Squad. I nah, 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 a defiant class ship? Come yeah, on. Yeah. And the other th- cool thing about Prodigy, if you want to tie it, even though it's not tied at all, it's just my opinion. The logo for Prodigy kind of looks like a Red Squad logo, but I'm just Well, only saying. because it has the command star nah, sideways. Yeah, nah, that's okay. Yeah. Other nah. than that, it doesn't look like it at all. It's still going to be good, though. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching it. Absolutely. I'm, I don't think I've ever watched Nickelodeon in my life, and I'll be watching this one. I, uh, I think the last time I watched Nickelodeon was You Can't Do That on Television. No idea what that in is. In the 80s. Okay. I just know there was like a, like a goop dropping show or something. Slime. Yeah. That's, yeah. Where, that's where Slime originated from was, was uh, You Can't Do That on Television. Oh, okay. And finally, Dan, perhaps not the categories we were hoping would be nominations, but we do have Star Trek Emmy nominations to celebrate. Yeah, we certainly do. Best actor, supporting actor, supporting actress would really have been nice, but you take what you can get. Star Trek Picard was recently nominated for five Emmys, and they are Outstanding Period and or Character Hairstyling, Outstanding Period and or Character Makeup, Non-Prosthetic, Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for a Series, Limited Series, Movie, or Special, Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama, an outstanding sound mixing for a comedy or drama. That's a lot of outstandings, but I've got another one. Uh, in addition, as we welcome, sh- uh, a welcome surprise, I should say, is that Short Treks was nominated for Outstanding Short Form Comedy or Drama. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the Creative Arts Emmy Awards Ceremony will be held in early September, and the main Emmy Awards will be telecast on Sunday, September 20th on Alpha Beta Charlie, ABC. <laughs> Thank you for spelling that out. That's ABC in the U.S., not ABC in Australia. There you go. Uh, uh, good luck to everybody. We hope that uh, they bring that hardware home because it's definitely well-deserved, especially prosthetic makeup. I can't think of another oh. show filming right now that, that could have done better. Mr. Vop. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
Dan, one of the saddest parts about there not being an STLV this week is that we will not be able to spend time with our dear friends at Fansets. I mean, not only are they an incredible business partner of ours, but everyone on the Fansets team is a truly wonderful human being. And we really do cherish the time we get to see them in Vegas because it's usually the only time we get to see them all year long. Even Joe? Well, oh. <laughs> no, just kidding. He's awesome. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. We always enjoy the time we spend together. And it's really very sad that it'll be another year before we get to raise our glasses together and enjoy each other's company. But to make us happy again, you know that Lou, John, Joe, and the entire Fansets team are hard at work to bring new and exciting pins your way so that your collection can be as spectacular as Bill's face. Yeah, I said it. You know, I was so excited to see the latest releases on their website earlier today. Finally, after months of teasing, the very first Batman 66 pin is available. And they started it off on the right foot, that's for sure. It's the Batmobile. It is simply gorgeous alongside that familiar Batman 66 logo. And it's going to look great on your desk, your wall, or wherever you display your Fansets collection. And as always, we love each and every new Star Trek release, of course. So head on over to Fansets.com and add the women of Trek to Paul Pin, as well as the newest micro crew member, Cass, to your shopping cart right now, Bill. I said right now. Right now, doing it. I got to say, I am just completely giddy over the Batman 66 collection. Now that this collection has started, we can look forward to some new collections starting in the future, like Scooby-Doo, which I know you can't wait for, Dan. Mm -hmm. So friends, head on over to fansets.com, put all the pins, really all the pins and all the accessories and gift certificates into your cart. Because remember, if you spend more than 30 bucks, you're going to get free shipping from Fansets. On top of that, for 15% off your entire order, that's 15%, enter the exclusive Trek Geeks discount code for this week, Janeway. That's J-A-N-E-W-A-Y in all capital letters. This 15% off bonus code will be available to use until Wednesday, August 12th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Dude, I got to say, we've had a lot of pretty awesome guests on recently, wouldn't you say? We have. They're, they're all fantastic. And you know what? We're going to keep that record going right now because we've got another special guest to bring on for this very important discussion. She has hosted or been part of over 60 panels. Six zero, not six, 60. And if any of them are as awesome of the ones that I've seen her in, then you're in for a treat when you go to her panels. She's written numerous online publications about Star Trek, X-Files, Battlestar Galactica, and other amazing genres. And she just happens to be the media director for Kate Mulgrew, which is really quite an incredible coincidence, considering that this week we're talking about her legendary character, Catherine Janeway. Who would have thought? Anyway, Not she me. is a... I know. Well, you don't think about anything because you don't think. She That's is a true. dear friend. She's one of the most amazing people we have ever met. She is Amy Imhoff. She is right here on Trek Geeks. Amy, welcome to the show. We are so glad you're here for this discussion. Thanks, Dan and Bill. It's great to be here. It's uh, It's been a while since we've seen you. Dan and I were just commiserating yeah. the other day. It's been a year since the last STLV. I know you were at the Fansets party with us. We had a great night. Mm -hmm. um, how are you? How are your, how's your husband? Everybody safe? Everybody healthy? 
I am doing well considering everything that's going on in this crazy world. Uh, <laughs> my husband is doing very well. Uh, we actually just bought a house, nice. which is a very exciting new thing for us. So we're deep in the process of nice. mortgages. Oh, <laughs> the, yay. The, the final <laughs> frontier of mortgages. Um, but yeah, we're. I'm good. I'm good. I miss everybody very, very, very much. Today yes. is the one-year anniversary of my panel with Kate Mulgrew on stage oh, at Star Trek Las yep. Vegas. Uh, and I actually, uh, I sent her a little picture and said, look what we were doing a year ago today. And, <laughs> you know, she said, well, we will do it again. We will do yes. it again. So, you know, we're all looking forward to gathering again when it's safe to do so. Well, and that's really it. I mean, we've been punching it on social media saying, you know, we will gather and I think we're all feeling it this week in particular because uh, Dan and I would be flying out tomorrow um, as we record this if we were still doing it. So, right. Um, but here's to here's to better days. And I all I got to do I got to say the next one's going to be amazing because we're all going to make it that way. That that's that's my goal. So. I think we're going to be so glad to see each other. It's just going to be the most epic party. <laughs> I'm the into first. That. For the first time, people are going to be glad to see Dan, which is really going to be the uh, the thing to cheer about. <laughs> I, I wouldn't well, I get that always, excited. <laughs> I am always glad to see you both. And Aww. I love the Fansets party, and I've gone every year you've had it. And I miss it. I miss it. It was, you know, it, another one of those things popping up in the time hop where me and my girls getting ready nah. to go, you know, he heading over to the Caesars and trying to find you in the maze. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. it was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, maybe now the venue will be different and you'll have a, a new outpost. We'll see. Here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, but today we're, we're meeting for other topics. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Captain Catherine Janeway as our Voyager 25 celebration rolls on throughout all of 2020. Um, it's a shame that we don't get to talk about this in Las Vegas at STLV this summer, but we're going to do our best here on Trek Geeks to keep carrying the Voyager celebration through because as I've discovered and finish um, my finishing watching it for the first time, it deserves to be celebrated. Um, this is a show that I did not expect to like as much as I did, mainly because I didn't have the chance to bond with it when it was on UPN um, with its weird airing times and the preemptions and all of that. But um, if, if it weren't for Anson Mount's Captain Pike, I would have to say that Catherine Janeway has become my favorite captain. Um, I, I love here. Well, you know, it, it took me a long time to realize that because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to make a culpa right here. There were times where I was just merciless with, with my picking on Voyager and Captain Janeway, mainly because I, uh, I, I mocked what I didn't understand. Mm. And that was long before I had a podcast, yeah. but you know, my Voyager love just wasn't there. And now that I've had a chance to bond with the character, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think that Janeway is the most human of all the captains. And by that, I mean, she gets the full range of emotions. That's something you don't get with Picard. It's something you certainly don't get with Cisco. And Kirk, come on, forget about it. <laughs> so it's my... My Voyager fandom is quite new. Amy, I suspect that you've been a Voyager fan for a few years now. Just a couple. <laughs> um, so I was, technically I was 11 when Voyager premiered uh, in, was I 11 or was I 12? I was 12. I'm sorry. I was just 12 when it premiered in 1995. Um, and 
I have been a, I mean, from that moment, she was my captain and I, I have deep love for the next generation. I grew up watching TNG. I was, that's the first Star Trek I ever saw when I was seven years old. That was what I watched with my dad. Um, you know, we, I love the, the characters of next gen. Like I love all of them individually in a way that I don't think I would ever love the individual characters of any other series simply because of the nostalgia of it. But when Janeway walked onto that bridge, it was over. I, w- I was like just reaching that cusp of like, you know, they call it, now there's a name. Now they're, now they're tweens. <laughs> so just kind of when I was a tween and it was, you know, right when I had, um, I, we moved when I was in the middle of seventh grade. I moved to a new town, a new school, I left my best friend behind. Um, and I really needed Janeway and the crew of Voyager. And I felt very much stranded in my own little Delta quadrant. <laughs> So it was, it was in a, it was an emotional attachment as well as a, this is a woman in charge and how important that was to see. Yeah. Dan, what about you? I mean, obviously you've been watching Voyager longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Um, You've, you've said all along throughout the five years of Trek Geeks that that you're a fan of Voyager. Yeah. Um, Where do you stand on on Captain Janeway? If you had to kind of put her in the pantheon of, of captains, if you will. Well, I'm going to I'm going to first start out by saying anybody who's listened to the show knows of what my early criticisms of Voyager were. I yeah. I like you being on UPN. I did watch it its first run when it was on UPN back in the day, and I it never really grabbed onto me like Deep Space 9 did. Um but as I said, I don't have any problem with what any of the actors do. Kate was phenomenal. Tim was phenomenal. All of the actors were great. I always had a problem with the writing when I originally watched it. It seemed like a 44-minute story. They had 35 minutes of great storytelling, and then the writer's room realized they only had eight minutes to wrap it up, and a lot of endings, especially in season one, were just flat for me. So I really didn't appreciate it. But as I've talked about before, my H&I rewatch a couple of years ago with my wife, Sue, we would watch it every night. I grew to love this show that I I never knew I had the love for. Sue and my two kids both have always thought of Voyager as their favorite. And I was always like, what are you talking about? You haven't watched Deep Space Nine yet. Now that I've watched it, now that I'm older and I can appreciate the story, I can appreciate the the maternalness of the Janeway character as well as the captain and and the guilt that she must have for stranding them there all of those things wrapped together she is the most powerful captain in star trek because of what she has to deal with and what she did um and i just can't believe it took so long for me to to appreciate it as much as i do now and it's an appreciation that still grows even when i start just watching different episodes one off and i have what to say the, it's yeah. I have Go to ahead. say that it's really nice to hear you say that, especially being, you know, guys who are over a certain age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know it's true. It's true. I get a lot of, you know, the feedback that I get. And I think that also Kate has gotten, you know, has has been from men in that age group, um, you know, say like over 45, over 50, uh, who just did not click with Janeway and who saw her as a nag or, you know, any of the any of the negative stereotypes that women face when they've aged out of that ingenue bombshell kind of phase in Mm. their in their acting career and I think for a long time the network and Rick Berman and the team were not 100% sure how to handle her and the the storylines that the writers you know a largely male writing directing team obviously Jerry Taylor was present obviously we had some some other great storylines from some women behind the scenes not saying they were completely absent because Jerry was there but I think a lot of it was driven by what are the male fans thinking? What are the guys thinking in a certain demographic? And I think that 
they really missed the opportunity because they weren't even really aware of the opportunity that they were giving to young women who were then went on to be a big fan of Scully and a big fan of the women of Firefly and a big fan of the women of Battlestar Galactica, all these women that we needed to see, you know, that were, have now spawned these wonderful women that we see in a lot of television and a lot Mm -hmm. of science fiction. Janeway paved the way. I I have to agree with that because one of the things that I do remember saying back when I was watching it was the number of young women that are going to appreciate the strength of this character is something that we had not seen before in television, especially not in science fiction. So that's something I've always appreciated. And, and sometimes I go back and forth about, you know, there's there are these videos out there about the first day of shooting with the other actress who I, unfortunately I can uh, never Genevieve remember Bushold. her name. Thank you. And what it would have been like if she was versus the Janeway. And this is another perfect example. Nobody in the planet could have played Janeway besides Kate after what we've seen of those seven years. And I think that what she did for, uh, young women wanting to become role models and and be strong and independent. I think it's just something that, as, as you just pointed out, Amy, has continued to this day with all of these other women that are so great in the roles on television and movies. And, and definitely one of the things that I was really excited to be able to bring up when I came on with you guys tonight was that I think Kate is really feeling her legacy in terms of young women in politics who are now leaders. Because um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yes. is a huge fan of hers. Stacey Abrams is a huge fan of hers. The New York Times and Slate and a bunch of other places um, have done great articles on the way that Janeway influenced a generation of women to see themselves in the captain's chair. Yep. And I think there's, you know, as much as there's a Scully effect for women who wanted to go into STEM and law enforcement fields, I really think that there's the Janeway effect. And uh, several women have written something to that effect in, for Star Trek.com. Um, you know, in other articles that I I always see, you know, being passed around. And it's it's so awesome to think that she really is influencing the women who are now shaping the face of our country. Yeah. It's amazing to me. You know, I think about it in those terms. And I think back in my own childhood. I mean, Captain Kirk was my boyhood hero and the Enterprise was my ship of dreams as a child. And I think about it, you know, with today's you know, uh, or, or the women of today and how they were influenced by Captain Janeway. And I never stopped to think, you know, what inspiration can and should boys and young men take from Catherine Janeway? Because I, there's this real gender gap in, in fandom. And I know you know all about it um, simply because you've lived it. And I, I think and that I, I've written a lot about it and I've have. talked a lot about it. And yeah. it's, and you know, I, I, the writing that you do and the, the research that you do sometimes, and you have women coming out of the woodwork saying things that you never thought you'd, you'd hear someone say about Captain January, about the way that their life was influenced by her. You know, you know, we have women in the Navy who are in their positions because of her women in at NASA and the Jet Propulsion Lab and driving the Mars Rover. And just because they saw that it was possible. Yeah. Yep. It's it's really kind of a uh, miraculous to me. It, it told me that if I can learn these things at, at fifty years old, um, then then really anybody at any age can can look at these qualities of Catherine Janeway and say, you know what, that that's that's what we want a Starfleet captain to be. That's what we want humans to be. And uh, the example was right there in front of my face. And I'm only sad now that it took me this long to realize it. I mean, like I said, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. But 
I'm glad now that I'm in a position to talk about these things because this character really is a gold mine and, and, and Kate Mulgrew just plays her flawlessly. She really does. Um, one of the things that, that I've grown to appreciate uh, for Janeway in particular is the relationships that she has with her crew. You know, Picard kind of kept everybody at arm's length until what episode number one seventy eight, for the most part. <laughs> um, Kirk kept everybody at arm's length as long as you know when he thought they were going to be in his shot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cisco, you get it? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Cisco kept everybody at mostly arm's length because you know he was trying to raise a son, and he's he's the he's deity. a Bajoran, yeah, deity. He's a religious icon. <laughs> Just a little thanks. Yeah, so, and you know, fighting a war. Job. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, with Janeway, we we get, and I hate using this word because it seems so hackneyed and so stereotyped. But we get this sense of family with Voyager that I didn't respect until recently, and those relationships to me are everything. I'm going to start with Tuvok. Um, I was very skeptical about the Janeway Tuvok relationship because I was really concerned it would emulate Spock and Kirk too much. And really it's nothing like it at all. Um, I, I think that for me, it's, it's my most important and my most favorite relationship in the series because there is that trusted counsel, Amy. Um, I, do you have a, a favorite relationship or, you know, is, is Tuvok and Janeway right up there for you? Tuvok and Janeway is up there. And it's funny because my husband uh, had not seen all of Voyager until, you know, we were in college and afterward um, we, we, I really had him watch most of it in, in one go, just like we watched deep space nine in one go. And I had not been a fan of deep space nine really until college or after it was quite, it was a little bit after college actually, because, you know, kind of like what Dan was saying, I didn't have the maturity. I don't think to appreciate deep space nine. And I didn't really it wasn't a show that I tuned into regularly every week. And with Deep Space Nine, it was all about the story arc. And yeah. it was one of the few, I mean, I was all into X-Files at that time. That was my story arc. <laughs> like, So I just, it was airing. And I think it definitely suffered from being the the stepchild, like the middle child of Star Trek, because it was only on the air by itself for one season. Right. And, you know, I when you said the Tuvok Janeway relationship, I definitely thought of Cisco and Dax as, you know, the old man. Mm -hmm. and yep. their relationship and then seeing Tuvok as being someone who is you know Vulcans are much older than humans they have more life experience Tuvok had lived a lot longer and she saw him as a valuable source of wisdom and counsel and I really didn't appreciate Tuvok I thought he was kind of you know when you're when you're a young girl you think oh he's kind of boring you know that but when I read when I rewatch it with my husband my husband was like Tuvok's a stone cold badass yeah. <laughs> so I was like yes he is and some of his episodes you know especially the ones where he's you know very emotional and he's dealing with that and he's dealing with um uh even with the pond far you know I know they try to make it funny and sexy and all that but um e but even those kind of moments that Tim Russ got to have with the character even when you get to see him like reining in his emotions and and keeping them in check and the fact that he's a good he's a good enough actor that you can see that the struggle is on his face despite the fact that he's trying to keep his face mm -hmm. so stoic um i really i do enjoy that relationship with with uh janeway and tuvok i think my favorite janeway relationship is maybe still with seven of nine just okay. because that's how i came I, when when seven of nine joined the cast, I knew I knew in my 
brain why they brought her on because they needed the sexy, they needed the blonde hair and the skin tight cat suit and the heels and all the reasons they brought her on, right? They brought her on for ratings. But I also think Jerry did a great job with Seven. And I think that she continues to do a great job with Seven. And I'm, I am super thrilled that she gets to be in Picard and that we get yeah. to see this evolution that she's gone through. I also love seeing Janeway interact with Harry Kim. Um, yeah. That is a very, that is an awesome relationship that I don't think they explored nearly as much as they should have. And I think that Harry, you know, seeing Janeway as a mentor figure, they kind of gave that storyline to Seven of Nine when she got there. But if yeah. Seven had never arrived on the scene, I think, you know, Harry might have stepped into that. They did a little bit of it with Tom Paris. I'm sure all of the Janeway fans are going to be shrieking about why I'm not talking about Janeway and Chakotay. Oh, we're coming <laughs> <But> there. <laughs> I know we'll get to it. So I will hold my thoughts on that experience. Um, I wish one thing I really wish though, my biggest wish for Janeway is in her relationships is that we would have got to see more of her with Alana. Um, yeah. That would have been, I think that was a, an opportunity for two women who have both have these keen scientific minds, you know, one of whom followed a very traditional path, one of whom did not. And, and but now she's involved in this in this uh, crew, you know, for better or worse, she's the chief engineer. And I think Roxanne is an amazing actress. I really love everything she brought to Bolana. And I really would have liked to have seen more from them. And I know that it's hard when you have a, such a big cast, you know, to get your time in with everybody every season but also allow for like that personal growth with Janeway. So yes, I, I like all of, I like all of her relationships and I think they did a good job. And I definitely think there was a lot they left on the table, but that is, that is what we got. And I am, I am happy with what we got. I, I am. And I, I, aside from the, the Bolana wish. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, cause they, they get into a little bit of that in season one when they're trying to make Bolana the chief engineer and then really not a lot of that afterward. Right. So she I kind can of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah. Definitely, Dan. What about you, buddy? Um, yeah, uh, b- before I before I get into my the relationships I like the best, Amy, I got to ask you how much respect for me will you lose when I tell you that I have never watched a single episode of the X Files? Oh no! I can you believe that science oh, fiction? No. I've never watched it. I've never watched any of so it. So all of my Scully and Women of STEM comparisons are just lost on you. I, I know. I, I feel, <laughs> but, I, but I'm going to be honest. So as I said with other things, I guess I'll have to start giving it a try. But uh, well, okay, I hear so it's Scully, awesome. Yes, it's awesome. And Scully came in 1993, and Janeway came in 1995. So they are very, very close. And, okay. And the Janeway effect and the Scully effect, I think are very intricately tied together. Okay. So yes, you, can, right. you should check it out. I will definitely do that. So on the, on the Janeway relationships, I would have to agree with both of you. I think the Tuvok Janeway relationship is actually the most emotional relationship that Janeway has with any of the yeah. crew. And I think that's really great, especially when you're talking with a Vulcan, some of the scenes that they share in different episodes, the one that pops into my mind right away is year of hell. I was um, just thinking you're is, is just <laughs> unbelievable. The way that those two work together and the characters and the appreciation and love that they had for each other was just beautiful to watch when, whenever we could see it. The other one, Amy, I got to agree with you. I really think the relationship with seven was one that really worked. And that is seen in its full circle in Endgame when Admiral uh, Janeway is talking to her. Um, and trying to to say certain things and then spills the beans about what's going to happen. I forget. Does she does say it directly to Seven, though, about um, – she says it to Janeway. Janeway says it to Janeway that Seven's going to die. I think that that is just it, – it really shows the 
feeling that she had for this person who they brought in halfway on their voyage home. And she was still able to take her under her wing and do everything she could to make her feel comfortable, welcome, and human. And I really appreciated that with the, uh, with the character. I think one relationship we haven't mentioned is Janeway and, uh, uh, and a uh, little wildman. Oh, oh Naomi, Naomi Wildman. Naomi Wildman. <laughs> Naomi Wildman. And, and I really love that she's like, I want to be the captain's assistant. And I was like 13 years old. And I was like, I want to be the captain's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, that was really nice. I think too, that they got a little bit of that, that childlike wonder of looking up and seeing this woman in charge and having a little girl look up to her. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Dan, to, to go back to X-Files for a second, I would like to say that much like Fox Mulder, you are uh, an annoyance to your superiors and a, and a joke to your peers. Um, Amy's cracking up, so I guess I'll find out what that means soon enough. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a good quote from the X-Files. Good job, Bill. Good job, Thank you. Bill. Thank you. Every, every Sunday night for a while. Uh, oh, yeah. Every, every Sunday was Star Trek night. And then Voyager night hopped around a little bit. That did. <laughs> a little bit. It was Monday for a while, and it was Wednesday. <laughs> I, I will say I do know cigarette smoking man something i know something about that yeah, so yeah, yeah. i had the, heard the references davis. yeah there you davis, go. a scary okay. individual yeah All right. well, you, know who was, you know who was also on um x files and had a very memorable part on voyager do you know yeah bill knows i don't know off the top of my head it's not coming because i have old man oh, brain it, it's but. um no <laughs> uh he played lon Suter and he played oh, yeah. in okay. lord of the rings yep. yeah, yeah uh, was, brad durif um, yeah brad durif he is in the the i think it's the seventh episode of the x-files he plays a killer a serial killer who is locked up in jail and he has an incredible scene with jillian anderson and yeah he was so young at the time and the fact that then he showed up on Voyager, I was like, oh, my God, it's a murderer. <laughs> and, was, and, played, and was a killer. <laughs> he played a creepy murderer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is his lot in life. But there, there are several X-Files, you know, cross because all the same actors were working and guest yeah, starring and all true. that. But he is the most memorable by far. All and right, he, well, that's I, a great episode. I promise I will check it out. Good. The, yes. the X-Files podcast coming to the Trek Geeks Network <laughs> in 2030. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because uh, I'm sorry for the little uh, X-Files, you know. Uh, hey, I am never sorry course, for, but... for an X-Files <laughs> off-ramp. <laughs> One of the things that, well, we may as well uncork this genie now and talk about Chakotay. If we're going to talk about Chakotay, I, I have to confess that I didn't quite grasp the whole concept of shipping until recently. So, uh, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> because, you know, I hear people talk about him like, of course, they're on a ship. It's the Voyager, for God's sake. Oh, no, Bill. Um, oh, no. Or, oh. <laughs> I know. Well, now I, I kind of get it. But uh, so I guess I'm going to come to you as my source. Okay, Amy. I, I am the expert on shipping. Please bring, <laughs> uh, bring, it, bring it to me. <laughs> did they or didn't they? They didn't. That's well, what I say. <sighs> There's debate. I in in um oh the episode where they're stuck on the planet and they think they're there forever. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Where he's making yeah. a bathtub. Yep, yeah, yep. where he makes yeah. the bathtub. The cool little build a house. <laughs> yep yep yep. People say that's that's when it happened. That's when they did. But I mean, 
based on the based on the dialogue alone you can't okay here's the deal with shipping bill you cannot <laughs> go off of the dialogue alone when it comes to these things because x-files coined the term shipping okay that okay Mulder and scully coined the term shipping um much like slash fan fiction originated with kirk and spock um it it relationshippers were people who wanted Mulder and Scully to get together. And I fully am in this camp and they did, they have a kid that jig is They up. do. They do. Okay. Now <laughs> so, I don't have to watch it, I guess. No, no, <laughs> no, no. you do. You do. There's a lot involved in that statement of they have a kid. Oh, okay. Don't, don't, you, you don't even, you are a sweet summer child. You don't even know. <laughs> but so people were shipping Janeway and Chakotay, right? Kind of from the get-go. Like, if you went online, you went in the message boards, you went in the chat rooms, you know, people would ship various couples together. Bolana and Tom is a ship that is canon, right? A ship that's canon is one that's actually happened. So, you know, Mulder and Scully are canon now, Tom and Bolana are canon, and very unfortunately, Chakotay and Seven are canon. I have no idea. Nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted that. Not (laughs) even them. (laughs) But um, people also ship Janeway with Seven of Nine. And okay. that is a a portion of the fandom, especially the portions of the fandom that ship uh, same-sex couples. It's because there's no representation of that until Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are many, many, many pairings. Just like I said, slash fiction is Kirk and Spock, right? So people have been shipping same-sex pairings on Star Trek since its inception because LGBT representation on television was not something that was prevalent until basically after the year 2000, and that seems even a little early. Right. So the shippers, when I was a teenager, yes, I was down for the Janeway Chakotay pairing. And I have evolved out of that. Really? (laughs) Yes, I have. And I now think Janeway is too good for all of them. (laughs) So (laughs) So so there's no ship that I would ship Janeway with in the existing group of voyager uh, crew members at the moment okay. because i think huh. based on her characteristics and what would be make the most sense it kind of makes sense she created a, a hologram yeah. <laughs> there was nobody else <laughs> like, i'm going for neelix neelix no i'm just kidding. <laughs> sorry don't make so, me come so, over no. there <laughs> <laughs> so bill are you saying that you thought that they they did No, I'm saying I I can't see it because I don't think that Janeway would have sort of pierced that relationship of captain and first officer. Mm -hmm. I get why people think it's there, but I think that, you know, Janeway is Starfleet for as many times as she had to evaluate whether the prime directive applied in a given situation like every other captain did. Right. um, I, I don't think that she would harm that trust and that relationship between captain and first officer by doing it. What about you, Dan? Oh, I absolutely agree. It's funny because the, the I can certainly understand why people would have thought it. Yeah. Um, there are seeds planted all over the place. Um, um, the episode that we just talked about when they're building the house in the bathtub and the episode we just talked about in See It or Skip It where she dies, but is in the time loop. Um, yeah. Resolutions. Resolutions. Yeah. I literally um, had to no. look. I was like, it starts with an R and I have quarantine <laughs> brain too. fog and I don't know what it's. <laughs> It, it's okay. But, uh, I yeah. actually really like that episode. I know it's just, it's kind of oh, I love it. Story, but I, I like it. that episode. Yeah, I think it's great. And and when she di- and when she dies, and Chakotay's trying to revive her, he's like panic mode. And Dakota. it's more yeah. than Dakota. It's Dakota more than, is a yeah. great Janeway yeah. episode. It's it's more than just a oh my god, I'm gonna lose my captain reaction. 
at least it, it seems to be. Um, I have never been one to think that there that it was a relationship either, but I certainly can understand why people did think that with all of the little things that they would. Uh, I think that's another out. area where the writers were very unsure. And I know hundred percent that Kate has said that she told them she did not want young women seeing Captain Janeway hopping around to men's quarters and having relationships with the crew. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm an older and I have friends who have little kids and little girls, I am in complete agreement with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know people still hardcore ship Janeway Chakotay. I see you. I hear you. I recognize <laughs> you. It is completely valid, just as it's valid to have ships with anyone else on the crew, same sex or otherwise. Yep. But what remains is I don't think the writing was cl- was clear enough because Kate was so resist. I wouldn't say resistant, reluctant, you know, to do that. And I think also it's kind of hard, right, to, to even keep that thread running throughout the yeah. rest of the yeah. series. Like, oh, I have to see this person every day that I could be stuck with for the next 60 years. <laughs> like, like that's a lot to to think about. And for Janeway, who has such, like you said, such a sense of duty and a sense of the Starfleet in her and, the, you know, the, the captain maintaining the distance and the, you know, I mean, she locks herself in her quarters at the beginning of is it season five. At night. In night, yes, it's season five. And, you know, she talks about that depression she went through and the struggle she had, you know, with mental health. And I think that's very important to talk about and to recognize, you know, that Janeway struggled. And, you know, we're all going through our our dark night right now. And there's been so many, I I see so many people online talking about the parallels of this pandemic with Voyager's experience being alone in the Delta Quadrant, not feeling like they had support. You know, but at least they had leadership. Not that to get not to get political. <laughs> not to get political, but it's important. People are looking to Kate for leadership even now. Yeah. You know, people on the Star Trek crews yeah. got up at the at her various panels and said, What do you have to say to all of us who are scared and worried? And that was before everything that yeah. has yeah. happened since March. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you know, people are just hungry for leadership in the way that I think you know, you said Genevieve Bujold left the left the crew after just a couple of days. I think that the cast was hungry for that leadership and they needed mm-hmm. that leadership. Yep. And, I, you know, I've heard Garrett Wong talk about it and, and they have their Delta Flyers podcast and they've talked a lot about, you know, how the crew dynamic works. You know, and I think it like you said, it it just works with Kate and it, yep. they're more like a family with and Captain Janeway is the head of that family. And that is not up for debate. And I think that's great. People need to see that. You know, buddy, we are really missing convention season this year. And under normal circumstances, we'd be gathering with our Trek family this week to celebrate Star Trek Las Vegas. And our friends Kaylee and Jay at Science Division are really missing it, too. So much so, Dan, that this week only, Science Division is offering their Galaxy's First Interactive Tribble the same way they would have at the convention. It's all a part of their missing Vegas sale, and it means that you still get to adopt a Tribble for your very own without the 120-degree heat. So right now, Science Division is offering free shipping in the United States and flat rate $10 shipping to Canada, plus all Tribbles ordered through 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, August 9th, will be accompanied by a free pixel art Tribble pin based on the artwork from the Section K7 app while supplies last. Plus, and this is the best part, you're also going to get a set of the Tribbles of Vegas cards. Now, these are 5x7 postcard prints, each featuring a different Vegas-themed Tribble cosplay, which is just super cool. It's all of the perks of their Vegas booth booth brought directly home to you. 
That is just so awesome, man. Plus, you don't have to take your Tribble out of the out of your bags for the TSA screening because, as you know, Bill, <laughs> Tribbles are not dangerous. <laughs> I did that. Sorry. Uh, but seriously, if you've been thinking about getting one of the Science Division interactive Tribbles for your very own, then now is the time. Don't forget, they have three modes. At ease, where they are happy and content. On duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds. And Watchdog, where you can be sure that Klingon secret agents are close by. Now, you don't have to use the app to enjoy your Tribble. But if you do, there's also an attack button, which makes your Tribble scream on demand at friends and family. So get on over to ScienceDIV.com and bring home the best part of STLV. And don't forget, the Missing Vegas sale ends Sunday, August 9th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. It's funny. It's like you're in my head, Amy, because I was actually going to night next. Because I oh, think good. It's, Yay. I okay. know. I, I think it's fairly pivotal. You know, as somebody who has himself dealt with a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, um, various, you know, onset type things. I think this is a, a crucial episode in the development of Jamie. And honestly, it's the one that turned me around on the character. Because for really the first time in Star Trek, we get to see that these things take a toll. And one, I have to say, it is played amazingly by Kate. Um, it, it's believable. It's palpable. You feel the things that she's feeling. But in all this, we learn that you know the captain is not you know this beacon of 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 uh, of, of armor. You know that they're not impenetrable. You know they she, yes, these things affect human. them. She's yes. Human. And that's really what impressed me the most about this particular aspect of the character. And essentially, she locks herself away. And that's really what made me take a step back. Have either of you read Jerry Taylor's book uh, about Captain Janeway's life? It's called Mosaic. And it is very intimate look into Janeway and her past and her past behaviors. I have not. You know, God, it sounds familiar. I'm going to see if I can look at the cover right now just to see if it if it sparks a memory because I do a lot of. The cover is very oops. '90s. It has this like this like uh, rate. I re- I have my I have my paperback copy upstairs, and I also have a hardback copy that I got because my paperback yep. is like in tatters from how many times I read it. <laughs> but um, it's got this this very like kind of very loud color scheme where it's like yes. a little bit like the the covers like raised, like you can feel the mm-hmm. the yeah. textures on the the letters and stuff, and it's like a teal and a gold and like yep. a like a reddish pinkish. <laughs> it's like yep. a very funny cover. Yeah, I see but, it now. Um, I I have not read that one actually. It's so when her father dies, she loses her father and her fiance in the same accident. And that period of time, she returns home to her mother and her younger sister. And she basically is in bed. She stays in bed for like days and days and days and days. And finally, her sister manages to drag her out of bed and help her rejoin the world and rejoin Starfleet. And and I felt that knowing what had happened in the book and then seeing Night, it's like a recurring, like situational depression that she has based on these like absolutely horrible things that no one should have to go through or deal with. Mm-hmm. But that happened. And I think Night is a really, it's really, I think it's good because yes, the Chicote comes in and he's like, the crew needs you. People need you. And she's like, well, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having my own moment right now. <laughs> and 
I think that's important because sometimes that's how we get as people, right? You know, that's, that's right. Sometimes we get in our own head too much and we forget all of the good that we've done and all of the things that we've done for our crew or, you know, for our families mm -hmm. and for our friends and everything. And, 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 you know, we have that anxiety and depression and it's Star Trek is, has always dealt with characters that have suffered from some kind of trauma. And, one of the you know, we could do a whole episode on seven of nine and all of the trauma and the yeah, rape analogy yeah. and all of those things that she's gone through. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. Tuvok's life clearly hasn't been easy either. And Tom Paris has been through this. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, you get, you get all of these characters that have a challenging relationships with their family or their, their parents. And Janeway is not immune to that. And I think that's important to see, especially for people who are struggling, because if that person's going through it, well, my experience is valid too. Well, that's, yeah. that's something that I find very interesting that you say that because I have a special um, connection with this episode because I went through my time in 2000 where I was going through that depression and I had the, the drapes closed and I was in a dark room by myself all the time. And what we saw with Janeway in this episode was exactly what I went through. Everything starts snowballing when you're by yourself and it's dark and you're thinking about that. She's got the guilt about being stranding everybody in the Delta Quadrant. And then, and, and I had the guilt of what I went through. And it's amazing that they were able to tell this story that is so relatable to people that have gone through these types of depressions. And it does it in a way that makes you appreciate that she is She's an awesome captain, but she is just a human being and she has the same feelings that everybody else does. And I really appreciated about that episode. And I don't think we saw that struggle with the men and maybe they no. yep. were not comfortable assigning those emotions to men at the time as writers and, you know, directors and producers, but the studio maybe let them do that for Janeway because a woman is allowed to be a little bit more emotional. And I think it's to the detriment of the male character. You know, we now with Picard, we see what he's gone through mm -hmm. and we see the toll it's taken on him. And I mean, you know, he's assimilated. Hello. It was terrible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and Janeway has had her dealings with the Borg as well. Mm -hmm. And there's so many parallels between the two of them in terms of, you know, she, she they have that that part where she does her it was her and Tuvok and Bolana. Yep, 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 yep. And they're all technically assimilated. Assimilated, yep. So it wasn't the same kind of you have been captured, you have your identity has been erased. Like mm -hmm. she they still retained who they were. But it's a scary experience nonetheless. I mean, how many scary experiences did she go through with I mean, look at I know yeah. Year of Hell technically didn't happen because of the reset <laughs> on the timeline, <laughs> but you know seeing her crashing the ship into into Kurtwood Smith's ship <laughs> and saying time's up like you know you're she is done she is yep. 100% done yep <laughs> but and it works but seeing it, and it works yep. but also seeing her like um one of my very favorite voyager episodes is scientific method i think that is yes. an excellent janeway episode it's an excellent everybody episode <laughs> but it's a particularly awesome Janeway episode because she hasn't had sleep. They've been pushing her to her limits. She snaps at her crew, which she doesn't usually do. Um, you know, she this this alien. Uh, is That's the one with the Riker straw on her head, right? Yeah. Yeah, she okay. has the thing, the halo <laughs> yeah. like yep. around her head, but you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And and Seven is finally attuned to being able to see these right. aliens that are experimenting on the crew, and she is like flinging the ship at some binary stars, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> she's like get off my ship or we are all dead <laughs> and and they she calls you know they call her they try to call her bluff and it doesn't work 
Yeah. And yeah. it's because even when she's literally pumped full of some kind of drug and she's being experimented on, she still has that like conviction of I am going to protect my crew at all costs. No. I am going to protect this ship and deal with these idiots who have now decided to screw around with us <laughs> <laughs> at all costs. You know, it's 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 a really good character study in how, you know, they always say like don't push a patient person to their limits. And I think that that is something that Janeway, they, she gets pushed back, lots of pushback from various mm-hmm. aliens, yeah. threats. Yep. Sometimes you can't talk to it or fight with it because it's a, a virus. <laughs> and she rises to that occasion every time. And that's, and she's much more interactive, I think, as a yes. captain sometimes oh, yeah. than yeah. especially Picard, who let the away mission go, mm-hmm. you know, and Cisco, who would very occasionally be on the Defiant, but usually would let the crew handle it, that kind of thing. I, if I, that's a great point you bring up. I, I think that that just added further to the layering and the dimension of the character. One of the things I love about the way they wrote Janeway was that they gave her lots of these action hero type moments in Voyager. It is one of my favorite things in the series. You it's know, my favorite thing. Too. It's one of my very favorite yeah, things too. Where she's fighting that macro virus or, you know, at the end of Time's Up where you see that, you know, she's got She's got some guns going. Yeah. You know, I love the guns. Welcome, welcome to the gun show, everybody. <laughs> that's that, that's not a type one phaser. Those are phaser rifles right there. I know. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That, just that sequence when she's walking through the ship and she's by herself, but she takes off her uniform and she takes off that little neck, yep. turtleneck thing. And yeah. she like, she like, takes the knife out and then puts it back and puts it on her belt. And then she gets the grenades and then she gets the phaser rifle. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> it's like Rambo. It's, it's amazing. It is. It's so good. And you know, there weren't one thing I noticed as a kid that I was like, why haven't I had a Janeway episode in so long? Like after night, there are very few Janeway episodes and it's yeah. because they were focusing on seven all the time in the Borg, yep. and the Borg and the Borg. And everyone seven. says, Oh, it became the Borg show. And yes, it a little bit did. I guess they thought they were giving the people what they needed and wanted, but she still had these really great moments like in um, uh, Dark Frontier when she's oh, yeah. God, yes. you know, yep. when she's talking to Naomi and Naomi is so worried about Seven and she says, if you want to be a captain, you got to keep your shirt tucked in, go down with the ship and never <laughs> abandon a member of your crew. And it's, 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 that just gets you right in the feels. <laughs> it like, does. It does. There's no, there's no substitute for that kind of awesome. And I think Kate brings a certain compassion to it that I think some, it might've been lost if another person was saying it. Well, that's, that's actually a great, a great um, segue, Amy, because one question that I did have for you tonight is of course you work with Kate a lot. Do you know by discussions with her or what do you think is the best aspect of Janeway that Kate appreciated playing the most? I think Kate appreciated them. And just, just from having, you know, sat on stage and heard her speak and all the questions people ask her and, you know, just being at the table when people have come up and talked to her, I think her favorite aspect of Janeway was how inquisitive and eager to learn she was and how much she is a scientist. You know, being a woman of STEM is a really great thing for an actress to, to, to play on a screen. It's a great, 
it's a great thing to feel when you have women coming up to you saying, I work at NASA because of you. Like, how can you replace that? There is no contest Mm -hmm. saying I am literally changing the face of science and technology because of Janeway. Like, I think that's probably her favorite aspect. And she always talks about her, her keen scientific curiosity and how important it was for her to imbue what Janeway was saying with a sense of meaning. Like it wasn't just techno babble. Like she read stuff on black holes. She read Mm -hmm. books on, on outer space phenomena. Um, You know, and I, I actually, a couple of years ago, I introduced her backstage to Dr. Aaron McDonald, who I'm sure everyone knows at this point, who is a lovely, wonderful person. And she is currently a science consultant for Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And, but this was before all that. And I said, you know, I, I, I said, you want to come backstage and meet Kate? Cause she had come up to me and she had said, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I said, you sound very cool. <laughs> and, and, uh, she dedicated her thesis to, to Captain Janeway. And, you know, wow. she's, she's written an article for star trek.com. So you can check it out. So I'm not making it up, but Kate was able to ask her, Kate has read. So Kate is a voracious reader. You know, she reads on all different topics and she was able to have a completely, informed discussion with Aaron about black holes wow, and you know other wow. things that that I think Aaron was not expecting to have a conversation with Kate Mulgrew about and I, I think that that part of her um, intellectual curiosity that she has naturally as a person you know is something that Janeway has as a character and that they wrote to be even more so I think that's Kate's portrayal. I think that's fantastic because I will admit at the beginning of the show and you know, it's star Trek and you want it to be several seasons long, but I'm like, okay, if she wants to get the crew home, why does she keep going off on all these tangents and doing all these other missions? That's the perfect reason why. And I think that fits scientific. Exactly. Absolutely. That's great. Cool. That's why they're out there. And if if Picard had been stranded, we would have said it's because he's a diplomat and he wants to figure out new cultures and he's very, you know, he has all his archaeology stuff. And, you know, all of the Sergeant captains have a curiosity about a a certain part of culture and space and science and all that. And and Janeway just happens to be the person who is the science officer who eventually went to the command track and decided to become a, you know, a captain. Truly, truly amazing. In fact, you know, we had uh, Dr. Aaron on this very podcast not long ago, and the episode was titled Dr. Aaron Teaches Science to Two Idiots. So <laughs> clearly that's how she... I feel when she talks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how I felt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that's like no, she's I... talked she talked to Kate Mulgrew and she's talked to us. And I'm pretty sure one of those was an intelligent discussion and it wasn't this one. <laughs> it was so funny because it was the I think it was the very first time she had met her in a setting where it wasn't like a hurried through an autograph line type mm-hmm. of situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and it was great to see. Like I love being able to introduce women of STEM to Kate who normally would not get like a little like just a couple minutes of her time just to say yeah. thanks. And that I, I, and I love when women come up, you know, we did our book signing in Vegas last year. You know, she yep. had her second book out, which is mm-hmm. called how to forget. It's about her journey with her parents and um, their deaths. So her father passed away first from cancer um, was pretty quick. And her mom passed away from complications from Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's and yeah. anybody who's dealt with that knows that it is a slow, long decline and it is, crushing experience for the family and you know it's added this whole other dimension to the people who come up to her and talk to her now because they'll come up to her and they'll say thank you so much for writing this it really put into words how it was when I went through this with my insert you know mother Mm -hmm. father grandmother sibling you know etc and 
to be able to see her have that discussion and to relate to fans on that level, I think is something that she hasn't had as much of an experience until that book came out um, to kind of relate back and say like, these people have gone through it and I've gone through it and we share this common bond. Mm-hmm. It's a, I listened to the audiobook of, of how to forget and it leveled me every single chapter. I was a weeping mess. You know, um, I popped into the studio when she was recording it and it was the part, it was, it was the, she wasn't at the very end yet, but it was in the section still with her mom and she had the tissues and she was crying and reading and crying and reading. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. and it's just emotional. I mean, you know, think about writing down, you know, if I'm, I, I don't know what, you know, you've gone through in your lives with your parents or your significant others or whatever, but, you know, I thankfully have both of my parents with me still and my brother is great. Um, Jay is wonderful and, you know, we haven't gone through a lot of that in our lives yet. And I'm sure at some point there will be a point when we will have to deal with the death of a loved one mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a way that is not optimal, not that ever it is, Right. but seeing, reading about that decline. And I recently, I'm adopted and I recently found out that that runs in my family as well. Um, that Alzheimer's mm-hmm. runs on my biological father's side. And I was very upset when I found that out. And I said to Kate, you know, this was after her book had come out. That's when I found out. And I said, you know, this is this is something that I guess we have in common. And, you know, she was great as usual. And she, you know, she she talked me through it a little bit. And it was just nice to be able to have someone that you've looked up to for so long who has had that experience and who can mm-hmm. kind of provide even, you know, even if I stopped working with her tomorrow, please, God, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know. Even if that were the case, we have the book. We, ha- you know, Born with Teeth is about her giving up a daughter yep. for adoption. I'm like yep. I said, I'm adopted. That was a very personal read for me too, coming from the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And then again, now with the having found out that this runs in my family, and it runs in most people's families. Let's be honest. And there's yep. statistics out there from the Alzheimer's Foundation about how, you know, it's going to be like one in four adults in the next 20 years. Wow. Yeah that are going to suffer from this if they don't figure out a way to at least slow it down, if not reverse it. Right. But I think, I think you, yeah, that, that it's, that it's the Starfleet captain, that it's somebody we all as Star Trek fans uh, know and love and respect has gone through this. It's, it's just this touchstone of connection that is there. Well, and I think touchstone is the perfect word and that, that perhaps takes me to my, my last topic before we, you know, maybe get a couple of episode mentions of ones that may not have come up. Um, and, and I think you you may have partially answered this already, but I've often wondered how much of, of Janeway is Kate and how much of Kate is Janeway. She gets that one a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think a, I think there's a, a lot of Kate in Janeway. Good. Um, and I think that Janeway's also taught her things, you know, yeah. in her own life, yeah. which I think is, you know, she speaks to that much more eloquently and much better than I. But I definitely know that she put a lot of herself into Captain Janeway and, you know, she did it while she was raising two kids by herself, essentially, you know, being a single mom. Uh, She had two boys and they were very young and they didn't like that mom was away all the time. And she talks about, you know, she's very frank about it. And she said like, no, women cannot have it all yet. They can't have it all. They can't have the job without the guilt and without the, the worrying. She's like, you're always going to be concerned about your kids. And, but she also said, that if she hadn't worked and she hadn't done what she loved, then her kids would have grown up seeing a mom who was miserable. And that's another point too, that I think, you know, we can consider. And I know, you know, some, that's not something that society makes men really think about, right? You know, I have kids and I have to decide between my career and my kids, but I'm now on the cusp of, you know, my husband and I are 
thinking about a family. We want to have a family. And I'm thinking to myself, like, am I going to be able to do all these things that I love now that I have a family? Mm-hmm. And But I have a great example to look at. True. So, Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yes, a lot of it. I think there's a. It's, I think there's a very high percentage of of collaboration between the character of Janeway <laughs> and the person of Kate. I, I have a. I can't separate the two of them. I, I don't think I ever could now yeah. that I've, I, I've bonded you know, with the people character. People will just come up to her and call her Captain. <laughs> She's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I, she told me a funny story. She was with her partner Bennett, and they were. Um, he he's in Virginia Beach, and she goes down there to see him. And they had they went to an event that was. Uh, there were a lot of naval officers there. And oh, they God. basically were like captain on the bridge and everybody was. <laughs> and awesome. she was like, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it makes her feel good. You know, it makes you yeah. feel good now that she's out of that every single day, like 5am curtain, 5 a, cur- 5 a mm-hmm. curtain, curtain call, but 5am like call for makeup. Yep. Working yeah. this, they always, every single person who worked on Star Trek up till discovery talks about the grueling hours and the amount. I mean, think about the way TV is made now. You can get like 10 or 12 episodes. These people were doing 24 to 26 Mm -hmm. episodes a season in a very short amount of time. They had a week to turn it around, a week to learn their lines. And it was hard. And they they all talk about how grueling the hours were. But now I think to be recognized publicly like that, to be getting you know, call outs on social media from government leaders and just people in media who, who love them, you know, like Stephen Colbert is a big Janeway fan. Like there's so many people who are active in, in the, in the pop culture space that Mm -hmm. have, they just, everyone knows who Captain Janeway is. That's fantastic. It's, it's, it's lovely. And, and of course now, now a lot of people are like, Captain Janeway in red? They're the same person? <laughs> I get people who are like, is she from Russia? And I'm like, no, she's from Iowa. <laughs> she only works in Russia. She only works in <laughs> Yep, exactly. I thought that was funny because she said something like, isn't, isn't Kirk from Iowa? And I was like, yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> so, Janeway's so, from the- Indiana. No, so, that's true. Yeah, well, that's right. They're, they're making a nice statue of her too, right? They are. Let's give a shout out to the Janeway Collective. They have yeah. a, a statue of Janeway going up. They have been unfortunately delayed like three times oh. due to coronavirus. <laughs> but uh, Kate is hoping to get out there and have a nice little nice. dedication slash photo op slash, you know, whatever they she. It's a lovely honor. And the fact that they have one for for Kirk in um, in his hometown in Iowa and they have in Canada, they have Vulcan Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Canada, like future birthplace of James C. Kirk, like future birthplace of Catherine Janeway. It's very nice, nice to have that recognition. And also um, just the, the science aspect of it too. She did a really, she did a book um, talk in Virginia at the Richmond uh, science museum. And it's a beautiful vestibule she was in. And it was it's just really cool to be able to see that fact that she gets to speak in these spaces because of her legacy with mm-hmm. Captain Janeway and because of the legacy of, you know, Hillary Clinton had her to the White House back when, when Bill Clinton wow. was president to have yep. a luncheon and to talk to women in STEM. And, and, you know, it's she didn't just invite her because she was like, oh, Chelsea and I are a big fan. Yeah, right, <laughs> she, right. she, she invited her because she recognized that she was inspiring young women to, to be leaders. And I mean, you know, look where all of this has taken everybody. So. Right. That's awesome. So 
are, are there, as we, we start to wrap up here, are there any episodes that you want to be sure to call out as far as Let's Janeway? Um, well, and I, I open love, that to you both. I love Death Wish. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves Death Wish because it's cute, but I also just love it because she's got some great moments where she's talking to the other Q about, she says, you know, I like this life and I hope that you will too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, and even, and then knowing what she goes through where she's depressed and she probably, you know, what comes with depression is suicidal thoughts, you know, for her to say, I like this life and I want you to try to like it too. You know, that's a big, like you like, it's, it's a, it's a big moment for her. And I, I also like that she gets to interact with Riker because I feel like they have great chemistry. And she <laughs> and Jonathan she and Jonathan are friends in real life, which is lovely. Oh, that's good. She and she and John Delancey are very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um and she and Bob Picardo are very good friends. We haven't really mentioned the doctor, and I think Yeah, the yeah doctor, have to. Uh, yeah, we have to say something about the doctor and, yeah. and Captain Janeway because I mean she's the one who kind of sees him and grants him autonomy and grants him, you know, the things that he mm-hmm. says I would like to be able to turn myself on and off i'd like to be you know he wants autonomy over who he is yep and the fact that the writers did that and the fact that they gave that option to have janeway be some instead of having janeway be like the force that like fought against it yeah they had her be the per, a person who's right. a, a, a proponent of his rights yeah. that was cool i like that and that's cool it's nice to shout out bob Picardo, who does such a great job as a doctor I love him. I met him once in Vegas and I was 100% drunk at the time and I'm still embarrassed about <laughs> it okay. to this day. Uh, it was at the old uh, Star Trek The Experience. He was doing a signing there in the uh, in the t-shirt booth and I had had one too many warp core breaches and that's where I'm going to leave the story. <laughs> I have never got to have a warp core breach. I was, my first Vegas, I think, was the year after they closed The Experience, which I, oh, was, yeah. I was sad that I never got a chance to get out there before that. Counterpoint is a, a frequent favorite. Of, yeah. I know it's one of Kate's favorites, and um, I really enjoy uh, seeing the the gentleman who plays uh, Mark Harrelick. He plays Devor, or yep. Devor Inspector, whatever. What is his name? It says Devor Inspector on here. I'm looking it up because I remember his name is Mark <laughs> Harrelick because I have met him, and he was in the Normal Heart on Broadway, and he was fantastic. Um, and he's a very interesting character actor. Kate Kashik, Kashik, that's his name. Um, so that's a cool, that's a cool moment with her. And they did, they did, <laughs> they, did. <laughs> they definitely did. They totally did. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to ship somebody, ship, <laughs> ship her and Kashik. That they're like a a scary pairing. <laughs> oh God! Wow. That's a that's a great one. And then I have to say how much I love her as Queen Arachnia. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was the one I was going to say. Bri of Chaotica. She just gets to go out of her normal and she's so uncomfortable at the beginning, but then she really just melts into the part and just does a fantastic job with that. That's that's my number one. I was also going to mention, I did mention it briefly, but Endgame, not only from a story perspective, but to see Kate do what she did in that episode, playing the same character in two different times and being able to interact yeah. with each other, the techno the tech 
the, the technological intelligence to be able to do that, knowing that you're talking to yourself when you're not really there to talk. It's very confusing, but she does a great job of it. And, and it works. There's nothing in that episode, especially when the split screens are going on and they're talking to each other where it looks like it's a split screen. It's, it's, she does a great they, job. They, with they it. Got, did a great job with yep. the melding of the technology. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, I love, I think Endgame is a, probably one of my favorite star trek finales yeah yeah um i i love all good things obviously that's like a really nice call back to the premiere yeah Uh, but to be able to see two janeways fighting the borg queen it's just if if they could have gotten rid of those stupid steel girders holding the borg conduits down it'd be a perfect finale the steel girder oh the the transwarp hubs have like the the like the steel seems like a very nitpicky oh, thing to have god it drives totally me crazy <laughs> it's a transwarp come bad whatever <laughs> <laughs> what about you bud um i uh, we've seen uh, being the uh the person leading the discussion we get to talk about all the ones i thought of um, <laughs> that's good. oh 11:59, where she's her oh yes her, i know, love that her. episode yep. that's a great that is an awesome episode and again kevin ty awesome of, yeah, a chance to kind of breathe beyond the the uniform and the, you know, the the constraint the constraints of being in space on a ship and just be a yep. person who is you know on Earth trying to you know, trying to be a person of science. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Well, if anybody out there has any of favorite Janeway episodes that we haven't mentioned, please hit us up on social media. Let us know because I mean we could talk about Janeway literally all night long, but at least for this conversation, um, we're not going to go all Lionel Richie on everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> all night long. <laughs> Very nice. But yeah, no, I, I have, there's so many good moments, even in other people's yeah. episodes yeah. that, you know, you, you just think of randomly and I'd, I'd love to hear everybody's point of view. Oh, and you can all find me at Amy Imhoff 1701. I recently, Slipped all my social media to that much easier to find handle. There you go. Much easier. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that uh, that you'll come back sooner than the next time we see you because we love having you on. And I love you being are, on. So thank we, you so much for having me. We miss you so, so much. Nice. Yes. And uh, we wish you and, and your husband nothing but safety and happiness and healthiness. Thank you. You guys too. Please stay safe, stay healthy. Everybody wear a mask. Yes. Yes. Wear an effing mask. Just, just put your mask on so I can go to conventions again. <laughs> Completely selfish. Just wear yes. your mask. <laughs> and we will also also selfishly say, please pass along our base, our best to uh, to Kate. Totally. I certainly will. I certainly will. Awesome. Well, Dan, sincere thanks to Amy, and of course, sincere thanks to Five Year Mission. Mm. Wow. Those guys, they are amazing. So many great albums, so many great songs about this franchise that we love, about Star Trek. And it, it just keeps getting better and better. These songs aren't parodies, as we keep telling people. These are original compositions that really make you think about the episode. So get on over to fiveyearmission.net, get every single CD in your hands, and start listening. Because we guarantee, Dan, that you're going to become as big a fan as you and I are, and we are pretty big five-year mission fans. We are huge five-year mission fans. They got so many albums. Year one, year two, year three, year four, Trouble with Tribbles, Spock's Brain, and coming soon, I understand, is year five. That's pretty awesome. You know what else is awesome, Bill? You know I got to talk face? about it. Yeah, my face is off. That goes without saying, but I appreciate it. Um, you're going to remember this one, Bill. Uh, it, it's hard to forget. Uh, it's hard to forget her, too. The Creosian Kamala was just amazing. And was part of an arranged marriage to Alreca Volt, if you may recall. 
But while waiting for the ceremony, things happen as they always do on the Enterprise. She bonded with the one man who could never return the love she she so, so greatly wanted from him. For he was a drummer, and he was destined to be alone. Check it out. The Perfect Mate. TNG. Perfect Mate. Kamala. I'll wreck a vault. Fiveyearmission.net. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all I've got after that is fiveyearmission.net. Um, go get all their albums. Uh, God. You're my perfect mate, Bill. That's not even close to accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to Patreon, where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks like laptop stickers and T-shirts and our unparalleled annual supporters pin, which we produce with our friends at Fansets every year, Dan. Absolutely. And we right now we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Dave Andrews, Aaron Mollenkoff, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, <clears throat> and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. What was that? <laughs> I was like a Kermit Stewie mashup. <laughs> it was like Kermit and Stewie going through puberty. <laughs> Is it time to change? It's time to change. <laughs> oh, my. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, Kyle Castillo, Chaz Bradshaw, Kimberly Hartman, Christina Werther, Steph Lescu, Jim McMahon, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over. Just head on over to Patreon.com/slash/TrekGeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, in the words of that idiot Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live. Wow, idiot is right. Uh, yes, we will. Have you ever wanted to ask us a question, people, about Star Trek or about our fandom or about why Bill is such a flaming jerk? Well, you know, next week you're going to get your chance as we respond to your questions in Ask Us Anything Live. Next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Now, this is going to be live streaming to our Facebook and YouTube pages uh, this coming Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You get all the details uh, on those pages, but if you want to be part of the live broadcast, be sure to go to the Trek Geeks Facebook page or the Trek Geeks YouTube channel for details. And then we'll take that audio and we'll drop it as our episode of the podcast next week. So uh, this is your chance to decide what happens in an episode of Trek Geeks. Uh, okay. Talk about pressure. Not pressure. It's just like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see something. There's going to be some question from left field that I'm going to be like, I, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> and most Talk about stump the geek. My God. <laughs> Dan, uh, <laughs> for more great discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcast, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Brand new this week is Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. You can find all of our podcasts, including where to listen at trekgeeks.com slash listen. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 227 of the Trek Geeks podcast. 
we do hope you all live long and prosper. COVID nut. <laughs> that, that was terrible. Wow. What's that? Just do something. We're not at STLV. It's because of COVID. So COVID nut. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Ping pong. <laughs> Ping pong. Blast shield, blast shield, blast shield. It's a blast shield. I love that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, due to some internet complications, mm. we're actually recording this part, the outtake, a little late. A little late. That's okay. Last night, we attended the virtual premiere for Star Trek Lower Decks and saw the first two episodes. We did. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, you know... I don't remember if at the beginning I'm like, oh, an animated series, okay, and wasn't super excited about it. I've been getting excited and more excited and more excited, and we've had conversations with Mike McMahon, and oh my God, this show is, uh, the the level of excitement I have for the show, I don't remember having this for Discovery. I really no, you don't. Didn't. You absolutely didn't. It is, it is so awesome. It is so what? fun. I think it's what we need right now. Yeah, absolutely. The humor is great. The canon is great. Now, of course, we're not supposed to be talking about this, so I'm not going to say anything else. But Well, we can't give details. Right. The fact that there was a premiere is public knowledge, mm-hmm. and the people went to it is public knowledge, and that's all we're saying. Yep. Yep. But, uh... <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good! Anyway. So good! Nice shirt. Thank you. That's one of my uh, Brainstorm gear shirts. That's pretty nice. I like that. I gotta tell you... I like the uh, the stuff that we have now available on the Trek Geek store uh, page, like that Triskelion logo shirt that I finally got. Yeah, so before people think we're pulling an action art thing here, we're not. <laughs> um, T Public is a licensee of CBS. Yes. And they have designs that are approved by CBS. And for people with Star Trek and Star Trek adjacent content, they allow you to add those designs to your store mm-hmm. and you see a tiny commission off of the, the sale, even though you're, it's not your item. No. So we were allowed uh, as a T public partner um, with the store mm-hmm. to add those designs to the Trek Geek store. Yeah. And there I, I, we curate them. There's, there's a whole bunch of them out there. We'll probably add more as, as time goes on, but yep. um, it's a way to, to toss a, a buck or two at, at the Trek Geeks network for support, um, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. There's some really cool designs. I am extremely impressed with T Public because, in addition to all the designs that they let us put on our side, and the and the fact that we have some of our own designs out there, they have different types of shirts and the really soft, soft ones that I love so much. So, a couple bucks extra for those, but it's well worth it because they're very comfortable. And I got to tell you that Triskelion one, I got the Triskelion logo in a bright green t-shirt and it just works yeah. perfectly. We posted it for Trek Tuesday this week and yeah, I love it. I got another one too and I'm going to save that one for Trek Tuesday next week. Oh, are you? Yeah. It's a good one too. No, I'm right. Well, uh, I guess I will have to wait to be uh, surprised. You're right. You will. Whoa. Yeah. Back. You just you just relax and have patience, mon frere. 
I see you're very <laughs> ornery today. Ornery? Yeah. Isn't that, wasn't that the, the Magatu was ornery because they had that big horn on top of his head. I hate you so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, today is normally the day oh. where we would wake up in Vegas, having been there the night before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a rough week, brother. Yeah. Yeah, and we'd probably just be waking up right about now because we were going to get in late if we uh, were out yeah. there this year. So it's about nine o'clock as we record, nine o'clock Pacific time right now. So we'd just be getting up and, and starting our day probably. So, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Which means we'd be on our way to Hash House. Oh, a go go. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> a go go? I, I didn't eat breakfast. <laughs> I didn't even eat breakfast today. Dan, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I know. I had two cups of coffee, though. Oh, that explains your stellar attitude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think my I think my attitude is fantastic. It's just not so much when it's dealing with you. It's always in the first person that an attitude is fantastic. It's usually <laughs> in the third person that it goes straight to hell. Dan's attitude is fine, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. No, I don't really think so. I don't think I've ever referred to myself in the third person, have I? Purposely? Uh, Bill does not think so. Okay, great. <laughs> so, wow. Okay, good, good. Uh, 23, so starting starting tomorrow, as we record, 23 straight weeks of new Trek. Whew. That's, that's, like, that's like almost two dozen weeks. See? I can do it. Math is not hard. And that's not hard. Almost, and it's almost two weeks. So, you know, if they just to add an extra week, it would be like a baker's two months, dozen. You mean? No, that's not a baker's dozen. Sorry. That's not a baker's dozen. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. You just, you were doing so well. I know. And it just, I fly off the rails every week. It's like that, it's like the train in Back to the Future 3 that can fly. I just go, woo. Oh, you fly, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, Marty, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I've come a long way for the power of Genesis. <laughs> there you go. So I got a question for you, and I'm not going to do it right now because I haven't practiced, but I do remember in the chat room last night during the CBS All Access premiere of Lower Decks, they had a great uh, mix of music playing, and a awesome. Michael McDonald song came on, and you said in the chat for everyone to see, Dan has to learn a Michael McDonald impersonation? Yeah. Are you serious? Do you know who is the Michael McDonald king right here between wait, the two of us? Wait a second. We, I have asked you before in this very outtake on this very podcast, if you know how to do Michael McDonald, and you'd say, no, I don't. I'd have to work on it. I'd have to double check that because I do, my wife does not like Michael McDonald. So anytime that a song comes on, I'm like, <laughs> and I just go, go nuts. I love it. Yeah. Um, because uh, there have been many times I've wished you'd, you'd do Michael McDonald because we'd need a Yamo be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'll uh, I'll practice it. But oh yeah, I love I love uh, doing Michael McDonald impersonations. Maybe I don't think it's good, which is why I said something. But I I do well, try. That's never stopped you before. Uh, that's because all my impersonations are so awesome. <laughs> Just saying. Got to get out of here. Yeah. So my God, your Spock shirt is rocking it, man. <laughs> Sorry, I just keep, I keep seeing that little like haircut of Spock's with the little eyebrows, and it's it's very cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, listeners, slight programming note. Ding. Um, for a long time during COVID, we have been running some hugely long episodes. Now. Hour and a half. Two hours. 
two hours and change. So we're going to start trimming it back to our normal standard hour, hour plus a little bit, um, because now we have two podcasts a week to record and we're going to try to record them both in one night. Um, you know, b- before it didn't really matter because uh, we could use the distraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you have two hours of content, it's really easy to fill two hours. It's yeah. that simple. No. Um, so that's what we're going to try to do going forward uh, so that we have ample time to record both Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek um, and still be married. True. Yeah. That's a good idea because marriage is fun. Marriage it's is like math. Fun. It's, uh, it's better. Well, Ten times better than math. And even th- th- my wife like got her degree in math, so I'm married to a math person. So win win. Yeah, Same pretty here. Awesome. Yeah, we we know what we're doing. I have <laughs> no, no well, idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I I've never had an idea <laughs> of what I'm doing. I get an idea. I, I just know it's effed up. And then plus, as a reminder, uh, before we uh, before we uh, bid adieu. Um, Trek Geek subscribers saw in your podcast feeds and your various podcast apps the the uh, debut episode of Infinite Trek. Mm. Uh, we dropped that in the Trek Geeks feed as a special bonus. We hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, the brand new podcast from the Trek Geeks Network with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. Uh, live streaming on Twitch every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific time and then repurposed as a podcast on the Trek Geeks Network dropping Tuesdays. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed, and hopefully you uh, you add that to your pod applic- application of choice, and mm. uh, happy listening. Is that, that all you have as a face? Oh, I thought that we were just on the outtake. No, I think it's fantastic. The, the network is growing, brother. Uh, and rum- rumor has it Science Station 2 might be showing up pretty soon. I'm just saying. Let's, uh, hey, the more the merrier. <laughs> you know, we're excited for that. We're excited for all the shows. All of them. I mean, They're all great. We, you and I have had a, an embarrassment of, of good good riches here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've stumbled into this, and it's become a million times better than we could have imagined. It is. It, it, it's. I, I still sometimes have to pinch myself as to as to how great it's been. And and I got to say, I am looking forward so much to discovering Trek Lower Decks with you and I and Casey Shasky and Sarah from Rewind. That is going to be a party like you've never seen on a podcast before or heard, maybe I should say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can do the you see it version, but that uh, that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I don't think Casey should be seen like that. Oh, God, no. Casey shouldn't be seen, period. End of <laughs> full stop, end of sentence. Full stop, end of sentence. So, um I suppose we should get ready to do this. So, okay. Dan, are you ready to do this? I am ready. I was born ready. To, I didn't even know is what a podcast what was then, but whatever. Is that what that is? Okay. Here we go. Coconut.